This is the audio-only version of MedTwitter This Week. If you're interested in seeing the full video, please check us out on YouTube, Periscope, or Twitter. Let's hit it. All right, welcome back. So this is the tweet I wanted to share today. This is from H. Moses Murdoch, and um, his tweet starts, Day one of intern or intern year orientation. The nerves and excitement are real. The tutorial, oh, tutorial. So I guess if I'm sharing here, it's sort of a meta tutorial. Uh, resources that may be helpful on our first days on the job. We're all in this together. So then he goes to list several of his favorite tutorials. And I actually, I have H. Moses Murdoch with me, Dr. Murdoch with me today to talk about his tweet. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Chris. It's uh, great to be here. How are you? Good, good. I'm so happy to finally be able to talk to you. I think we've sort of been in the same spaces for quite some time. You with the CP solvers and everything you're doing with virtual morning report. But, you know, I hear it. You're in the middle of your intern orientation right now. Is that correct? Yes, I, I just finished a very thrilling, epic training. I'm sure all of my co-interns out there are, are joyfully going through the same. <laughs> so, um, do you want to tell me a little bit, um, I mean, I, I guess I can assume why you put together this tutorial, but do you, do you want to discuss with me the, the, and the and audience why you decided to bring up this tutorial now? Sure thing. I feel like the nervousness around starting a new role is so real. And I imagine I'm not the only person out there who's trying to collect all the resources and have everything at uh, your fingertips so that when you get that first page or when you're calling that first consult, uh, you feel as prepared as possible. And I don't think any of us are going to really feel totally prepared. Um, and I just remember over the last year coming across amazing tweets from the giants of tutorials uh, all the way to students new to Met Twitter uh, who want to contribute. And I wanted to put out some of my favorites uh, that were very, very practical and, and useful as we transition into becoming new interns. Now, were, were these all... Did you have these on like a Google Doc or did you have these all bookmarked? Because like, these are the ones I know I'm going to be reviewing for myself right before entering year. Now I'm going to present these or was there a larger list that you're narrowing down from? Like, what, what did it look like? I, these were all bookmarked. Actually, I remember that uh, one of your tweets from months ago had this great uh, GIF where you had a, uh, like a hand that was bookmarking <laughs> something. Yeah. And actually, that's what uh, started me in sort of whenever I found something that I suspected might come in handy down the road, I would just bookmark it. And it had been a couple of months since I'd gone back through and sort of looked at them. And I was inspired leading up to orientation and picked out a, a handful of those that I, I would be referencing more frequently, I thought. Cool, cool. You know, for our audience today, were there any specific um, tutorials that you of these that you shared that you really want people to know about? Yeah, you know, one of the, and in fact, the first one that I put in the list was one by uh, Dr. Varun uh, Patki, and it's essentially how to call a consult like a pro. And I remember being a third year medical student, terrified. Half the time, I didn't really know why the consult was being called. I hoped and, and was just sort of writing through a bunch of pieces of paper to make sure I had all the data in hand. And what I thought he did really nicely was to give one very concrete advice, but two provided a theoretical framework. As one of the CP Solvers team members, now I'm talking about frameworks and everything, and it's driving <laughs> my, my family mad. Um, <laughs> But he really talks about how you go into this conversation 
and, and apologies if, if this is an oversimplification, but essentially like, are they helping you with some sort of diagnostic question? Are they helping you with some sort of management decision? Or are you bringing them in to co-manage or take on the role of, of the primary team with you or, or sort of as a handoff? And he had some really nice graphics uh, as, part of, as part of this tutorial. And it really helped frame in my mind, you know, the question might be some nitty gritty cardiology question where they'll be citing clinical trials to me, or it might be, I don't know what the diagnosis is, ID help me. Um, having that framework in my head, I think calms some of my nerves and I would hope will facilitate some of the conversations in the, in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, definitely can be, can be pretty scary calling those consultants. I think um, hopefully it's, you know, hopefully these are safe spaces though, you know, cause mostly when you're calling these consultants, these are usually at academic centers where, you know, you're, you're probably calling a fellow or maybe even a resident who's running on the team. So, you know, they should be able to cut you some slack, but I think also another thing to think about is, you know, if I was the consultant, how would I want someone to talk to me? So um, I think these are really great pieces of advice. I implore all the our listeners, if if you are not experienced in doing uh, consults, to check out this um, this tutorial that that's being highlighted here. Was there were there any other big big highlights that you want to let us know about? Sure. You know, I think one of the beautiful things about Twitter are that you get insights into other fields, and I think as an internal medicine uh, intern. Um, neuro can be scary, and I know that there's been a focus recently around neurophobia, but also derm. And sometimes it's simply the language of dermatology that can be so intimidating. And something that I heard from my own attendings, residents, as well as dermatology colleagues is simplified language is okay. And the, the UCSF chiefs have this really beautiful graphic, a rational approach to a rash, and they go through the color of the rash, the morphology of the rash, the distribution of the rash, and what are some red flags um, that should really prompt you to take a, a closer look and make sure that something more sinister isn't going on. And in, in that same vein, in this same tutorial, I think something that can give anxiety is procedures because you don't want to cause unnecessary discomfort to patients. You want them to have good outcomes. And I have a couple of tweets here. Everything is as simple as starting an IV, which uh, for some folks can be difficult depending on the situation, all the way down to um, some of the invasive procedures and the knobs that you have to be turning in terms of uh, vents, event status. The last thing I'll just point out is that often for me, MedTwitter is a place that I hope to, like a sponge, just absorb information, but often self-care is very important. And there was a phenomenal uh, tutorial by Dr. Kim Su around uh, skin care in the era of COVID. And I think this was one of those really practical things. I suspect we're all gonna be in some form of, of mask or other PPE uh, over the ensuing months and making sure that we're taking care of ourselves uh, was a priority. And so I included it in the list. Yeah, that, that was definitely one of my favorite uh, tweets. I think, I mean, it came out just, just shy of a month or so ago when we all first started and people were getting like acne all over their face and stuff like that. So I thought it was a great, they had some really great practical tips. Um, so you've collected all these resources into a bootcamp document. Yeah. Yeah. And actually what's, what's interesting is that um, like many med students, I had grand plans for the end of medical school and that included all the fun things that, that people look forward to, but also just the opportunity to explore different electives and those opportunities quickly vanished, um, understandably so. 
And as a result of that, I, I felt this, this hole in my education that I wanted to partially fill for myself. And this was a collaborative effort, just kind of going out there, what are by specialty, what are the different resources that are out there for self-directed learning? And come to realize that uh, Med Twitter is just the, the tip of the iceberg. There are websites out there that can help you teach uh, event management. There are websites out there for radiology, for ECG interpretation. And I figured it would be useful to have a sort of a one-stop shop for these different resources. Um, and they're things that I use even to this day, thinking about how I can improve in, in some specific domains. Excellent. So since I actually have you, uh, you know, as a captive audience, I, I just want to know, how did, um, can you tell me about how Virtual Morning Report sort of came about and, and sort of your, your role that you played in all this? Absolutely. So I think Met Twitter is the, the gift that keeps on giving. I was initially joining the platform to help publicize some frameworks that I was working on. And I quickly realized I'm not one, but I'm part of this larger community of folks who cares about this and got in touch with Robbie and Resin, was brought onto the team. And I quickly realized how beneficial it is for learners at various stages of training to get that, that experience being put on the spot in a very supportive environment, to put their reasoning out there, and then to see how a master clinician thinks through a case, to peek into the mind of someone who just has such a nuanced understanding of physiology, management, and diagnosis. And it was a conversation between uh, Jack Penner, one of the residents out at UCSF, uh, Dan Minter, and myself. And this was, way, this was before COVID, a couple of weeks before that really took over the conversation. And then what ended up happening was uh, morning reports canceled, noon conferences canceled, and there became this increasing need to have a space to discuss cases. And we really went zero to 100 over the course of a couple of days. Said, okay, let's just do it on Zoom. And we just went for it. And what's been really beautiful to see is how learners, uh, second year med students, third year med students, international students from all over the world are joining. And not only as case discussants, but also as case presenters, really bringing an international um, sort of flavor to, to our discussions. Um, and right now we've expanded into a student only uh, virtual morning report. Uh, it can be scary to put your thinking out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you open yourself up potentially to a feeling of uh, vulnerability and, and, and critique. And so um, having a space reserved for students has been really important. And the most amazing part of this has been seeing the students then reflect on a case and create their own schema or create their own graphic or do a tutorial of, of their own. And I, we certainly can't take credit fully for, for that, but I think it's, it's been inspirational for me and I hope for others. So what's, uh, what, so what's the future involved with, uh, what does the future look like for Virtual Morning Report? Yeah, I think the big questions on our mind is how do we get people to be as active as possible, active learning over passive learning. Uh, part of that innovation came from the Zoom chat. Uh, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Sometimes it's a race to the diagnosis and, and we want to minimize that and instead promote sort of a more thoughtful, reflective um, uh, reasoning approach. But ways to basically roll this out to larger and larger groups of people while maintaining uh, that sort of very active component. And of course, I don't think any of us really know what the various waves of COVID will look like. Um, but inevitably, uh, institutions will resume their conferences in some way or another. And so making sure that we um, fit in with the rest of the curriculum, whether that's undergraduate or graduate medical education. Um, 
And of course, I think we all love to do research. And so understanding what are the features of morning reports that elicit that those gains in learning and how we can set up our structures to maximize that learning is something we're really focused on as well. Uh, you know, I know you guys already have developed over the last several months sort of like the structure and how you want these virtual morning reports um, to be presented. I guess the question is, you know, I think something that may inter interfere with interactivities when you have so many people show up and that whether, whether there are thoughts of breaking it down to like, especially for our, you know, international places where they're on different time zones, you know, whether you want to break them up by, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Europe, and then each of them can have their own sort of um, smaller groups to allow them to discuss, um, you know, almost like a, almost, and use virtual morning report almost like a branding, sort of like, like how TED, like TED, TEDx and TED always have like their little small things and everyone has their own TED conference. Like you could have your own, you know, if, and by putting the branding on more, it means more like uh, this is, there's the quality to the structure that you, that everyone's sort of following. So they know, oh, we're, we're going with the CP solvers virtual morning port um, structure. So we know that it's, it's, it's well-developed. We know that these are, or these are cases that either have been vetted or these are, um, this is a structure that we all know and love or something like that. Um, so just some suggestions from my end. Super cool idea. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go through and we're, I'm going to uh, review some of my favorite tweets for the week. First, I'm going to share some tweets that um, Travis Smith was able to share for me from MedTutorials. These are the highest views of the week. So first, of course, comes as no surprise, Dr. Tony Brew's uh, tutorial. And this, this time it was on how is caffeine a diuretic? Um, so I think people should really check that out because I had no idea. So it was great to read about that. Um, run the list, which will come up again later, I have a feeling. But um, this was another highly viewed tweet is um, their endocrinology episode about hypercalcemia. David Steensma had a hematology tweet story about the confusing nomenclature of Milo. And then Dr. Vikram Dillon had um, a reflection on virtual morning report number 68 about um, the Miller-Fisher variant of Guillain-Barre syndrome. So I really encourage people to check that out. Some of my favorite tweets personally from the week, um, one recently was from my great friends, Justin Burke, Dr. Watto, and Dr. Paul Williams. And they just recently had a publication about the 12 tips for creating a medical education podcast because you know, that's what we do. Um, so they just had that publication and um, a tweet was sent out this week. I'll make sure everyone gets a link to that. Um, and in, in the spirit of everyone being able to publish, especially about MedEd and about Twitter, Avio Glasser also had a, a great tweet about her publication with her, um, Dr. Jaffe and Dr. Brooks, and they were able to publish um, to tweet or not to tweet. That is the question. Um, this is in conjunction with with Dr. Joel Topf, he, they took over like this whole epi, this whole issue of seminars and nephrology. And really it's, I haven't been able to, I haven't got a chance to finish the entire issue, but it's really about the best primer you can possibly think of to look at how Twitter and social media can be used in medical education. I think this is the second time I brought up Dr. Ray, but Dr. Ray was featured in New York Times about talking about the impact of social determinants of health. I really encourage people to check out this New York Times article. And then, of course, I, I'm going to finish off with uh, another tweet from um, the real Dr. T. Um, so he just has just such beautiful narrative stories that he's able to publish on Twitter. I 
I, I think I must cry every time I read them. So I really implore people to check this one out. This one just came out on the 16th um, about a, someone who's working at the gift shop in the hospital. So I really enjoy, implore people to check that one out. Um, so Dr. Murdoch, do you have any great tweets you want to share with us this week? I certainly do. And I will say that I'm still getting used to being called Dr. Murdoch. I'm like, wait, are you, you talking about me? <laughs> Looking what over I, my shoulder. When I was talking to Dr. Nora a couple of weeks ago after her graduation, she was like, oh yeah, that, it's, but I think it's a good ring to it. It's a good ring. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still getting used. Um, the first tweet that really caught my eye and, and I really love was uh, Carol Lau. She has introduced the inflammation thought train and Inflammation is one of those things that seems to come up in every virtual morning report, and I suspect in a lot of patients um, who present in, with a variety of pathologies. And what she's done is basically combined the graphics from several of uh, Robbie's uh, inflammation tutorials and arranged them in sort of a narrative form. It's, it's beautiful. It really harkens back to some physiology um, and is well worth uh, a watch. Um, Run the list has already been mentioned. I've been helping them with their handouts uh, during my fourth year, and they've been putting out a, a simply phenomenal a series of tutorials most recently on endocrine. And this week they put out one on hypocalcemia. I won't spoil any of the uh, great uh, pearls in, the, in their tutorial. I would encourage those to check it out, as well as the linked videos. Uh, recently they had a phenomenal video of how to do a thyroid exam, and here they've got the the famous Fostex sign uh, and, and Trousseau sign that I think will be a, a joy to watch. Those are great signs. But I want to say that one of the most distracting things about this, this tweet, which I'm looking at right now, is the dancing skeleton at the beginning of the, of the, in the, first, in the first tweet. So <laughs> I keep on looking at this off screen and I'm like, that's pretty crazy. But anyhow, I definitely will look forward to looking over these tutorials again. Thank you for bringing them up. I, I haven't had a chance to really look at Run the List that much, but um, they've definitely been on my radar. And this is giving me a good reason to go back and look through their entire endocrine series. So um, I think that's all I have to share today. Do you have anything that you want to plug or let people know about before we go? Uh, absolutely. I think the last thing that I will say is that there was a great perspective piece by Dr. Morris and Dr. Lascalzo out of Brigham. And the title is creating real change at academic medical centers, how social movements can be timely catalysts. And I think during this time when we're asking how individuals, groups of individuals, organizations can take active steps in uh, confronting the social determinants of health and, and becoming more anti-racist, it's oh, uh, a perspective piece worthy of uh, five minutes of your time. And I'll just quote uh, the second to last paragraph here where it, it starts by saying our experience shows that institutional change in healthcare is possible. And I think that optimism, despite um, the disappointing, distressing, um, rage-provoking events uh, that have happened recently, um, really is a call for us all to be active in our own personal lives and, and as institutions um, to be the kind of change that we wanna see in society. So I, I would encourage folks to check that out. And you'll give me the link so I can put it below. You know it. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending the time out of your intern orientation week to, to talk to little old me. But it was definitely appreciated. And I, I really had a great time. Same. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of MedFoot this week. I want to make sure that you follow us on our platform. So 
We now have um, a couple more platforms in terms of this being a podcast. It's still on YouTube, Periscope, Twitter. Please like, subscribe, follow, comment, and all those other fun things. You guys know what to do. So appreciate you guys following. I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.